A lot of you are familiar with the DNA Project and have been rocking with us for a while, but some of you aren't. A lot of you are faithful listeners of the podcast, but aren't familiar with some of the other work that we do. So I just want to take a quick moment to explain to you a little bit more of what we do. So you're getting married, or you have a friend, a cousin, a sister, somebody you know is getting married. Okay. You've booked your venue, caterers, photographer, all that good stuff. When it comes to live music, most people have no idea where to look. We have you covered. Picture this. During the ceremony, while guests are being seated, or while the bride's walking down the aisle. During the cocktail hour, while guests are just mingling and having a good time. Don't forget about dinner music. That's very important to set the mood while guests eat. And we definitely can't forget the party. Let's get the party started right now with The DNA Project. www.thednaproject.ca for more information. Hello, bonjour, and wagwan. Welcome to the DNA Airwaves. Today's podcast was created at and brought to you by the MPL, Toronto's modular film and audio studios. If you have any projects involving film, audio, TV, music, or anything else in that ballpark, please check out the-mpl.com. That's T-H-E-Maple-Without-The-Vowels.com. This podcast is also brought to you by the DNA Project. For all of your live production, musicians, and live streaming needs, check out thednaproject.ca. Today we talk with Gabriel Vargas, a very unique artist from Australia who went from being an athlete to a musician in quite a short period of time and is yielding amazing musical results. Hope you enjoy the show. This is The DNA Airwaves. <laughs> how are you, Anthony? Yeah, man. How you doing? I'm good, man. I'm, I'm good. I'm good. I'm good, man. Thank you. Yeah, thanks so much for joining us. We are doing this from way across the world, so I imagine we might experience a delay or two here and there, so we'll, uh, That's okay. we'll, uh, we'll make it work. I guess I should say good morning to you, right? Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's 7.30 in the morning here. Sounds good, man. So, yeah, good morning. Um, so it's 7.30 a.m. there where uh, Matt and I are. It is 3.30 p.m., so we appreciate you uh, being up nice and early to... Start off your day with a couple of good guys from Canada. It's cool. <laughs> it's an absolute pleasure to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah, man. So we have been doing this podcast for a little over half a year now, and we've uh, had a lot of fun talking with some local artists, and we've talked to some artists and different types of people, music researchers and an attorney lawyer, music therapists, um, all from North America. So it's kind of cool. We decided let's reach out to some musicians and artists outside of our community and from different parts of the world. So this is kind of our first go at that. And we thought uh, your music came across our radar. So we thought it'd be a cool chat to get it started off and talk to you. So let us know, like, how did you get started with music? And just tell us a little bit about your musical journey. Sure. Um, well, I... I come from a musical background which I wasn't really aware of until a lot later in my in my life. So my my father and my mm. uncles are all professional musicians in Brazil. I was born in in Rio de Janeiro, and you know, which is a nice. really like a cultural melting pot of uh, you know music, food, um, uh, religion um, has a lot of um, mm. you know uh, indigenous, Afro-Brazilian, and and Portuguese, and it's all mixed up. And, um, and so, yeah, I come from that background. Uh, my mum has nice. roots into the Amazon as well, so I have Indigenous roots into the Amazon. And, um, but I grew up in Australia, Very guys, cool. so <laughs> I, moved, I moved to <laughs> Australia when I was uh, 
four years old, which is why I have such a thick Australian accent. Um, but the Brazilian, right. Brazilian culture was always present in my life. Um, however, I didn't really start um, connecting to music until probably my, my I'd say, mid-20s. I'm, I'm in my mid-30s now, so um, about okay. 10 years ago. Yeah, it was quite late. I, you know, I grew up in Australian life is... It's very sports dominated, so I always had this vision of playing high-level Australian rules football. Which I don't know if you've guys seen any of, of AFL at all or Australian rules football. I have no. Have you seen uh, it, mate? Just to to we haven't, and just to it may be a silly question, but we actually were just having this conversation yesterday about American football and other football. Are we talking about football, football, or is this a, a rugby, or what? What's the sport? It, it's no. It's 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 like a. Well, look, it's it's as physical as rugby, if not more, because it's a three sixty game. So you, you just don't know where, where, where hmm. yeah, you, you could be going looking at a ball here, and someone's coming right behind you, and bang, you know. Um, you don't wear protection. It's quite um, physical, and um, but it's <laughs> it's kind of the national sport here, and so that was what I grew up doing. I wanted to play AFL football, and um, obviously. Many injuries later, in my early twenties, I realised that this wasn't going to work out, and uh, I, wow. I I went back to Brazil. I travelled back with my brother um, and reconnected with the land, and it was there that I decided that music was what I wanted to pursue. And um, there was just something that was calling me to to do that, and uh, and that's wow. how I started my journey, guys. It was uh, I sort of came. I was late to the party, <laughs> if you know what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. Late bloomer. I mean, all right, so I want to talk about music for sure. I guess that's why we're here. But I'm kind of fascinated by this. You said this um, Australian football is a 360 game. Can you break that down a little bit for us before we get into the music stuff? Yeah, I can. Well, what I mean by that is traditionally, like, when you look at American football or, um, or rugby even, you have two opposing sides that are running at each other almost. So they're on side of the field and they sort of... They meet in the middle in a way. Well, I think I've um, seen that. Yeah, whereas Australian rules football, uh, you're set up like on eat like opponents but in different parts of the grounds. So there's 18 versus 18. But um, you have your forwards and your backs, but the, the ball kind of just goes up and down the field um, continuously. So, um, and there's a lot of transition that happens between between the players. So just because you're a, uh, a defender doesn't necessarily mean that you can't become an attacker, if you know what I mean. You can cover all areas of the ground at any one time. And, and so what happens is you have a lot of collisions that um, players can't necessarily brace themselves for. You know, that could be just uh, going backwards with a flight of the ball oh, and yeah. another opponent is coming directly at him like a steam train and get a knee in the back or it's, it's look, it's brutal. Um, <laughs> They're trying to clean it up a little bit because there are a lot of concussions and, and things <laughs> happening. But, um, you know, I, I played that sport all through my teenage years and I've had two shoulder reconstructions and, um, you know, uh, disc bulges wow. in my back all before I was 21. So, yeah, um, I'm actually glad that I don't play it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of glad for you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, injuries are just carpal tunnel. And there may be a reason why uh maybe a reason why that style of football has not made it over to North America. <laughs> exactly. A couple of reasons, but welcome 
welcome over to the music side. So Thanks. you um you kind of re yeah, so you kind of found your connection with music after getting the crap beat out of you playing football. Um so what was was there a moment where you're like yeah yeah yeah, was there a moment where you're like I want to do this music? Like how does that happen? Were you eating breakfast and you heard a song and you're like this is me now? Oh look, I I can't really explain it, Anthony. I um, I, I mean, I my my mum's side of the family as well was quite musical. So she she bought me a guitar when I was thirteen, and I, I obviously I I played. I got lessons for about six months, but uh, even okay. then I wasn't really grabbed. I wasn't grabbed by music itself. I enjoyed like just playing guitar, but um, something yeah. happened while I was in Brazil. There was something that happened to me. Um, uh, you know, for lack of a better word, I could probably say spiritually that there was a calling there. I didn't know what it was, but there was a lot of clarity around it that I came back from that trip to Australia and I said, I, I, need, to, I need to start writing songs. Um, and so I, I just Very went cool. along and, and, and found a band, uh, got a band together and we uh, started writing rock. It was pretty much rock and roll back then um, and it has evolved since then as I've pursued a solo career, but definitely that's, that was the trigger, um, that first journey back to Brazil. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. Yeah, yeah. Because, I mean, yeah, it's just the fact that you kind of just transitioned and it was just like you felt like it was music was calling you. It's kind yeah. of a, a theme. Uh, we've, we've spoken to a few people. Did you figure out a songwriting process? How, how did that work for you? Um... I I hear melodies. So the first thing that was that, you know, melodies just, I'm, I'm, it's not hard for me to sort of latch onto a melody. And um, mm. and so mm-hmm. I, I kind of, it was an intuitive process. I just thought that, okay, well, this is, this is the, the natural way of writing for me um, initially. And I always enjoyed reading as a kid and, and writing stories. So I just put those two skills together and, um, and that, that was it. I mean, when I was in the band, a lot of the time I didn't have this, the skill that I do now uh, to transpose what I was hearing in, onto an instrument, you know. It's like, so I would say to the guitarist, mm. hey, I'm hearing this, can you play this, you know, do 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 and then yeah. and that's how it went. Uh, I'm at a position now where, you know, I've, I've done a, a lot more work on, on the musical side of things and can find those melodies and the chords that underlie it now. But um, that was how the journey started. Um, How do you find yeah. those now? What instrument do you use? I still have a guitar, obviously, um, and a piano. Yeah. I do have a piano at home. I love writing on a piano because, you know, the keys are there and you can you can come up with some amazing chords that you, you just wouldn't be able to figure out on a guitar. Um, and a lot yeah, of the time yeah, I still, yeah. I'm still guided by my intuition, you know, especially on a piano. I'm like... Um, what is that chord? That sounds really cool, you know. Um, so, yeah. That's a fun way of doing things. And it's something <laughs> that uh, just that, that, that mystery, in a way, there's the argument that the more you learn about it, the more uh, you demystify it and take, um, take improvisation out of it. So it, it's interesting mm. Uh, that you're doing things that way because I feel like I do things that way too. My my knowledge of chords isn't as developed as I want it to be, so sometimes I just mash the keys and then eliminate mm-hmm. things until it makes sense to me. Um, it, it's an interesting. I, sorry, Matt. I, I, 
Sorry, man. I just wanted to just add yeah, on. Sorry, what you this said is going to happen because we're we're disconnected we're, yeah. with distance, so it's going to keep on happening, and we'll edit it if it's a big one. But usually, we leave them because it's funny. <laughs> yeah, um, I just wanted to expand on what you said because there was a you know um, this idea that yeah, that like the more you sort of know, the less you know, and um, especially with music, I, I always because for me it was always such an intuitive process. There was a, a reluctance to step into understanding more of the theory uh, around music because, oh, if if I learn this, it's going to stop this intuition that comes through. And I struggled with that for many years. Um, but I then realised that, hang on, it's if I, if I just shift the narrative a little bit, perhaps it's like I'll have more tools at my disposal. I can still tune into the intuitive, but now I've got a bit more of a framework to work with. Um, and And sometimes I think we can be caught up in... We have to really be cognizant of what is a limiting belief um, or, you know, that's hindering our progression and, but also be aware that, okay, have the discernment to go, okay, at what point does it hinder or at what point does it actually add to my, my development? Um, and for me it was, it was a little bit of a struggle with right. that early on. But definitely now I'm like a student yeah. of music and I'm always learning. I just want to learn more. Yeah, I want to add to that uh, working in, in the studio environment that that opinion that, you know, if I learn more, it will sort of disconnect me from uh, whatever muse is out there that I'm connected to. Um, yeah. It People have that opinion and very often it doesn't translate. And when people just make things up, it it's rudimentary or not as interesting. So uh, anybody listening, I... I I personally don't want them to get the idea that for sure learning music is a bad thing and you shouldn't be doing it. But I would say we've listened to your music and uh, Gabriel, in your case, clearly you have some intuition and you have some innate understanding of harmony, which a lot of people do. I just think people should be aware when they're exploring music on whether I'm not the kind of person that just has the intuition that flows out of them automatically. So it's not something that everyone's just born with and born there's with, no yeah, shame yeah. in in learning more and getting to that level mm -hmm. agreed Which seems like you're doing now on top of the intuition as well yeah well that's that's it that's that's the journey you know it's um music is a is just a, another language um and i'm yeah i'm in that position now where i'm just really curious i think i that's how i like to approach it with with a sense of curiosity um Whereas in the past, I think, and it probably uh, demonstrates more a lack of maturity in the past, was that, um, you know, there was a little bit of trepidation there and, um, yeah, perhaps it was, it was um, impeding my development. Um, uh, well, I, I can probably say for certain that it was. Um, and I was, I was hard on myself for that. And um, I think now it's just, ah, oh, I'm just open and curious and, you know, it's really led me into this, this next, um, I guess you'd call it part or chapter in my journey as a, as a writer, as a songwriter as well, which is where I'm at now is about collaborating with different artists and um, artists from all around the globe, from different cultures, from different backgrounds and from different genres. Mm -hmm. Nice, yeah. I mean, I was going to ask you that as well because I know we're in a different part of the world, so I'm curious to see how you kind of navigate through the day-to-day -day of being an artist and getting your music heard 
uh, what channels or like what what methods do you typically use to just get your music out and share your gift with more and more? Well, I think it's a um, it's it's an ever changing landscape. Uh, you know, when I first started, uh, it was all about getting out on the road and hiring a publicist, um, and mm-hmm. you know, doing doing the the groundwork, <clears throat> playing as many gigs as you can. I think obviously with the uh, the technological boom that we've had, um, you know, we've got now streaming services, um, Spotify as such. Also the current climate that we're in right now, which is obviously this, this pandemic, um, getting out on yeah. the road and touring is not as uh, easily accessible as, as it was like a couple of years ago before the pandemic hit. So um, for sure. So, you know, there's, there's a reliance now on live streaming, which I must say I'm probably a bit of a late um, adapter to. I've, I've really used the lockdown as, as a, an opportunity to actually be more creative and write and record. Um, nice. Um, but I really, yeah, I want to venture into um, doing some more live streams. I, I'm building a band around, around my music as well, which is something I'm excited for because not since I was actually in a, in a band in its own entity that have I played with, um, you know, a, a, a group of musicians. Um, it's always been myself solo or, or uh, another duo guitarist. Um, so I'm excited about that. And, oh, nice. yeah, I think, I think it's just we're in this position, guys. You know what I mean? You could probably speak from your perspective as well where musicians are, or artists, regardless of, you know, what, what artistry you you bring to the table, we're required to learn or not learn but have more skills other than just our, our craft. You know, we need to know how to be good marketers. We need to know how to be good networkers, um, how, to, how to connect beyond the, the craft itself. Mm-hmm. And I think, yeah. um, you know, that's, an, again, another, another um, landscape that I'm, I'm, I'm heading towards with curiosity. I'm just trying to learn as much as I can because you never know when you're going to need those tools, right? Yeah, it's absolutely correct, especially now. Sorry, I have a follow-up Australia question, um, and it's becoming less and less relevant right now with with technology, but I remember even a few, a few, like 10 years ago on Reddit, um, people would um, at nighttime would post photos upside down because Australia is awake. Um, so how do you find, cause musicians and social media, everybody that's online does keep in mind, what am I posting for, or they should be, what am I posting for North America, uh, or, you know, anybody in, in the American time zones? And then what am I posting for Europe? And then very often, at least from our perspective, it seems like Australia's time zone is, um, is the last thought or the last market because it is a singular market in a way. So it'd be you know yes. Australia, Japan, and, and Southeast Asia, and all that. Um, how do you think the other way? Like we should post things for American time or European time. Do you consider time zones at all in this journey, or is that not really something that you're thinking about? No, no, I, I definitely do. I, um, in particular, for myself, um, I have a uh, a large following in Brazil, um, which is comparison comparable to to my following in Australia. Um, because I also sing in Portuguese and, mm. um, 
And so when I'm doing a live stream, for instance, I try and find a time zone that inter- intersects, you know. Um, so, for instance, for me, a, a good one is uh, mm. 9 o'clock at night on a Saturday, which um, for Brazilians is like, you know, 8 o'clock in the morning. So that as they're waking up, they can enjoy their breakfast and watch, watch me perform live, um, whereas here in Australia, um, <laughs> yeah, nice. you know, they... They can kick back on a couch and, and relax. So I am I am mindful of that. Um, and I think you know when you know when you when you're building a following and you're building an engagement with an audience, it's really important to know who your audience is. And so I think as artists, we, we need to be mindful of that, especially when we are releasing or doing these live streams of, of where our audience is and how we can be. Um, you know, be mindful of, of, of them as well because they are supporting your journey. So we need to, to give them content that is um, for they're sure. easily accessible for, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that makes cool. sense. Well, I'm glad everybody thinks about that. It is important, you're <laughs> right, and it could easily be overlooked, but <laughs> it's, a, it's a big world. Most We get stuck thinking, uh, you know, just about our local community time zones, all that stuff. So good point there. I noticed... I noticed something yeah. on your website. I was hoping you could just expand on it a little more because I really liked what what I what I read. Um, you had mentioned music yeah. as a means of healing, hearing, and expression. Can you give us your your take on on those words? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> well, I mean, if we reduce music down to its its it's very core, it's, it's simply a vibration, right? And, um, you know, a vibration yeah. is, has a way of penetrating, you know, when, when you see a ripple in water, it, it penetrates across the surface um, and, and creates uh, an impact mm-hmm. or, or an effect. And I think at its very core, this is what music does. And if the vibration is tuned at the right frequency, then it, it has the ability to, to, impact us emotionally, whether that be, um, you know, to, to amp us up like a, like a good, you know, um, workout song would do, or, but also on the other scale, the ability to, to heal. And, and I'm interested in that, in that uh, music's um, ability to heal. Um, definitely with my background and um, my own personal journey, Music has always been that healing yeah. element in my life, and um, so yeah, we can we can use it to express parts of ourselves that require healing, um, and we can use music as the vehicle to heal. Um, so yeah, for me, that's that's what that that sure. that phrase represents. Yeah, I'm glad you you said that because. I feel I, I don't know why, but I feel like we're we're sharing the opinions of our side of the world about music and yours. Like you're the representative of all of Australia, but there <laughs> there um, does seem to be like a a, um, a purist uh, stream of opinions where that's not music, where this is music. And you, mm-hmm. what you said about music amping you up, I I think is is uh, really well said. Music just like a any other vehicle let's take real vehicles for example some cars are there to drive fast and some cars are there to to haul a lot uh you know and some cars are there to bring people to the hospital quickly so different songs and different types of music have different purposes which is why it's almost hard to categorize them all 
in the same way since they 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 take people to to different results different places yeah yeah yeah, yeah. I love that. I think that's my favorite thing that you've uh, ever said on this show, Matt. Yeah, you never really like what I say on the show, so that's uh, not a big No, no, no. I've liked, but this is this 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 takes a cake. <laughs> I'm gonna write that yeah. one down. Yeah. If I had Twitter, I would be tweeting that later today. That's that yeah, don't get Twitter. That is clearly yeah, it doesn't help. <laughs> it doesn't work. Do you have Twitter? Do I have Twitter? I do, but I don't really use yeah. it that much. Yeah. Um, you know, it's, okay, it's, it's, it's mainly YouTube, <laughs> Facebook, and Instagram for me. Um, and sli- and just, in, you know, venturing very, very quietly into the world of TikTok, which is um, obviously, you know, the, 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 the big, big social thing at the moment. Um, but yeah, yeah, I find, yeah. I, find I, connect, I connect with my audience better through, through the Facebook, Instagram, YouTube at this stage. But, um, yeah, Matt, I, I really just want to say that's a great analogy. I never thought of music in the sense of vehicles. In, I mean, I, I speak about it as a vehicle, but um, to expand on that and look mm-hmm. at it as different cars and, and modes of transport as well, you know. Um, sometimes it's not, it's not the path yeah. you're on but the mode of, mode of transport you're on as well. So um, really, really cool. Yeah. Thanks. Deep. That was what would, uh, unfortunately, our other uh, co-host, Dariki, couldn't join us today, but that's what he would call one of his golden nuggets of the day right there. So. <laughs> I miss you, Dariki, if you're listening. So I have uh, a question that everybody's been wondering about. Um, how often do you see a kangaroo just like out there? Because we have squirrels out here. I was wondering. For you. <laughs> no, yeah, like do you're just like, oh, there's one. <laughs> how does that work? Guys, um, look, I where I'm I live in I'm in Melbourne, Australia, which is in the in the southeast of Australia, and um, I actually live about oh I'd say about half an hour out of the city, heading east, and this beautiful forestry here. I love being out in nature, and mm. there's one particular walk that I love to do at a place called Mount Lofty, and it's it's about ten minutes from me, and there is yeah. an abundance of kangaroos there, like. You walk, you can be like a, two metres from them and then they kind of look at you and they just hop away. So, um, It's not a it's, sanctuary, right? They're just at home. Y- yeah, exactly. They are. It's, um, oh, wow. they, love, they love congregating <laughs> at golf courses as well here. Um, but they, they, they tend to stay more on the outskirts. You, you won't see them, for instance, down the middle of, you know, downtown Melbourne. But um, yeah. if, you, if you head a half an hour out of the city, you'll find them, you know, and... Um, I've, I um, sometimes the, you get the big, big kangaroos. They're called boomers, you know, and they're they're like the when they get up on their hind legs, they're like six foot tall. The muscular and ones. You, yeah, the muscular ones, and they yeah. they box and the um, stay yeah. away from them. Yeah, stay away from them. <laughs> Don't approach. Are they aggressive? <laughs> Look, they're not. <laughs> kangaroos are not generally aggressive, but you know, like any wild wild animal, you just you let them do their thing, and you know, you try not to approach them or scare them too much. There. Um, Fair enough. But yeah. <laughs> Can you imagine if our squirrels were the size of dudes and had pecs? Oh like, gosh! How do you how do you even manage? It's crazy. It is hard to wrap your head around for sure. But hopefully one day we'll get over there and check it out for ourselves. Oh yeah! Back to music. Can you tell us a bit about? <laughs> can you tell us a bit about your recording process? Because clear, like you've been releasing things during the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Uh, what do you do? How do you do it? And what do you uh, use? What kind of setup do you yeah. have? 
Yeah, I, I, I record all my demos um, via Logic, um, and they're very rough, very rough. Um, but I'm yeah. I'm fortunate that I have some very very good friends that are excellent musicians, and um, and and we build the demo. It's it, again, we talk about this amazing technological world that we can connect with musicians from different walks of life and different parts of the world. So I, I get the, the song ready in Logic uh, as, a, as a very rough demo and then I, yeah. I will contact a, a very good friend of mine who, who's a producer. His name's Jimmy Marutis and Jimmy's a, an ARIA award-winning producer here in, in Australia, which is, I guess, equivalent to um, your Juno Awards, I guess, over there. Um, and, yeah, somebody and then did their homework. Jimmy, Jimmy and I will, will get together. We'll either go into a studio or, or come into my house actually and set up depending on, you know, what, what is needed for the song. And, um, yeah. yeah, we just go from there. I, you know, I've got um, – I've been lucky in the last couple of recordings to have, um, you know, a friend of mine, Jake Lowe, who's a, a great pianist. He does a lot of cinematic, um, I guess, scores – so he contributes. Uh, another nice. friend of mine, Nathan Lamborn, who's a guitarist but also a drummer who adds a lot of ambience to the, to the sounds. And lately I've been collaborating with Tony Levin, who is, uh, you know, I don't know if you guys know, but amazing Tony bass Levin? player. Tony Levin? Yeah, yeah. So you Tony, Tony, yeah, Tony's jumped, jumped on and played bass um, for a couple of, of my songs. And, um, and again, it's, it's, it's part of this this kind of curiosity that I have. I just love collaborating and, you know, I, I always think um, when, I, when I write a song and I, and I listen to it and I, and I say, oh, this is great. Oh, I'm really hearing Tony Levin on this. <laughs> you yeah. know, I, I, always think, I always think of like if I could have anyone like, you know, nothing's out of reach. It's like you just, you just put the question and ask and, um, yeah. and, and, to those who I, I don't know, Tony Levin was Peter Gabriel's bassist for many years in addition to being one of the best bassists ever. Yeah, he, he's amazing. So and I'm, I'm, yeah. yeah, I'm a massive fan of, of Peter Gabriel and, um, and Paul Simon. These, these guys um, you know, have been able to, mm -hmm. to connect cultures through music um, and definitely with, I guess, my, my background, as I said, mentioned before, being born in Brazil being raised in Australia, having Indigenous roots into the Amazon, there seems to be at the moment for me a, a pull towards using music um, in that way to connect people, to connect cultures and and even more so now, guys. And I look, you know, there's so much polarity in our world at the moment. There's like difference. Uh, there's so many opinions. There's, you know, yeah. um, there's, there's okay, what's real and what isn't? What's what's truth? And um, I think music has always been a, a very centering uh, aspect of humanity, it's, it's able to go, well, music in its purest form is truth in a way, you know, it is an expression of, of what is going on culturally, mm. what is happening in the world. Um, but can we use it as a yeah. means to, to collaboratively work through um, and, and come together as one? Well, definitely. And, I, and I, I'm really curious to explore that, that um, the way that music can, can do that. Love that. Yeah, that's that's powerful. Real deep stuff. Um, <laughs> Real true stuff too. 
Very true. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, and we're, um, like I said, we're very glad that we have had the uh, opportunity to have you on different parts of the world, but music is universal. So we hope that whoever's listening to us will in turn go ahead if they haven't already and check out some of your music and become a fan like we have. Um, but please, can you let people know just where to find you, maybe what you have coming out in the, in the near future and all that good stuff? Yeah, th- look, first of all, thanks so much, guys, for having me. I, I, it's, it's really an honour to be here. Um, and, you know, I've been listening to some of your podcasts already. I actually went and um, bought a book, oh, nice. uh, Shine On, it was, by I think it was David Ditchfield uh, yeah. that you guys spoke to. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, what, what, an amazing, what an amazing story. So I have the book and I can't wait to read that. And, um, Very cool. You know, so f- first of all, thank you so much and keep doing what you're doing and I appreciate you having me on here. Um, for those that are interested in finding more about me and my music, you can check me out at gabrielvargas.com um, and that has links to all my socials, um, Instagram, uh, Facebook, Gab Vargas Music. Um, and, I'm yeah, awesome. I'll be releasing a new single very soon, um, which was a, a collaboration with a New Zealand artist called James Reed from a band The Feelers, which I'm really excited to be putting out to the to the world. So that, that's going to be a music video attached to that as well. Um, and if you, yeah, want to follow my journey, cool. just jump on the socials. There's some, you know, the, the next phase for me is, as I said, collaborating with, um, uh, you know, Indigenous cultures around the world, in Brazil, here in Australia, in Africa. Um, nice. And I'm, I'm really keen to get that ball rolling. So, yeah, thank you for everyone that's listening and thank you guys for having me. Amazing. It was nice to meet you. you. And hopefully we meet you in person one of these days. Good luck with everything. Thank you, guys. And, you know, I'd love to collaborate with you down the track as well. Who knows? Yeah, let's definitely talk. Let's definitely talk. We'll make it. Yeah. All right. right, Sounds good. As a podcaster, you know that great content is only half the battle. The other half is finding the right hosting platform to reach your audience. That's where Captivate comes in. With unlimited podcasts, advanced analytics, and personalized support, Captivate has everything you need to grow your audience and monetize your show. Join the thousands of successful podcasters just like us who trust Captivate for their hosting needs. Visit dnaairwaves.com slash Captivate today to start your free trial.